Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder of BEI. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. John, welcome back. We're here to talk about some more client scenarios for this series. It just seems that they uh, they never get old. They never repeat themselves exactly. And today we came back to sort of regroup and talk about the issues that we're still seeing in planning and the scenarios that continue to play out as maybe a way that we can we can talk to people about uh, the importance of planning for the future and why business owners are are planning at all. So thanks for being here. Well, thank you for inviting me, Elizabeth. You're welcome. Uh, I thought that I could maybe bring us a scenario today. And it came from a BEI advisor who I had a long talk with about a week ago. And it was a pretty difficult conversation because this advisor had a client whose, you know, the end of the story was this family is in complete disarray, and I believe that at the moment, none of them are speaking to each other. That's how we ended the conversation. And when this advisor said that, it was not a surprise to me after the details that she had shared. And so I thought maybe I could bring this scenario. And while there are no good answers to to uh, that will solve all the problems in a client situation. I think that's, you know, the sort of thinking them through and chopping them up and moving them around on the table and, and trying to figure out what we can do, what's the most best good that we can do is, is an important exercise. And that is in fact what I did with this other advisor. We just kind of brainstormed all the different angles and then I can share at the end, you know, sort of what we ended up deciding that she was going to do when she goes back for the next meeting with this client. But I'll give you the um, the overview. So there's a family-owned and operated business, and they are in sort of the um, trash janitorial cleaning uh, part part of the marketplace, and they've had the business for a very long time, uh, and it is extremely profitable as many of those businesses are, I've noticed over the years. So it's not the first of that kind of business that I have helped with. And uh, so the owners tend to be shrewd business people, very good at managing their money. They tend to be able to, you know, they often, at least the ones I'm helping with are making decisions in which, you know, there are millions of dollars of profit to be generated. And in this particular client case, Um, The business valuation was a little bit dated, but the company had continued to perform well and was expected to continue to perform well. And uh, and so valuation is at 11 or $12 million with about $4 million of EBITDA every year. So pretty nice family business. And it's been supporting people for a long time. The father is the founder and the controlling owner in the business. And there are a few family members who already own some ownership interest. How they got to that, actually, I don't know or or I've lost track of. But there's a there's a, you know, there's a father, largely the 
percentage ownership breaks down as father, founder, controller owns 80%, child one, who's a son, owns 20%, uh, or no, owns 10%, and the other non-active child, who I think was a daughter, owns 10%. So 80-10-10 among family members, and the, and the intention is that the business active child is going to take over the company, that dad will step off and step away, that mom will also stop working for the company, and that sibling who owns 10% uh, is um, not interested, uh, but maybe should or maybe shouldn't continue to own an ownership interest in the future. And let me pause there for a second. You know, how many times have you seen that basic fact pattern? Well, it's the typical fact pattern because most, I think most parents start out with the concept that everything we give our children has to be equal. Right. Yeah. And we feel that way. We're, we're parents as well. We try to treat our children pretty much the same, but it's different when one's getting active in the business and growing it and the other one's totally inactive. Right. At least giving the business away. Right. So they have this, they have this valuable business. I thought that the really good news was that there's decent value, a strong company that's expected to continue to produce profit and also a history of profitability. Uh, and, you know, in my, in an oversimplified view of things that I might have, you know, profit and cash can really sort of bridge us over all kinds of difficulties, although family dynamics is maybe not one of them. Uh, and, and so I was pretty optimistic that, okay, family business transfer, the business is profitable, the parents don't have financial independence quite yet, um, uh, and, you know, and the lifestyle that everyone has become accustomed to is pretty high, so they, because they've been doing well for a long time, and they'd like to maintain that. And, but, a, you know, but selling a business for 10 or $12 million may not maintain that lifestyle based on the ages of everybody involved for very long, given, given market returns. So what can we do? And, and here come the problems that I got from the advisor. So this advisor has been to meet with the parents, meet with the kids, meet with the management team and things like that. And uh, dad, founder, owner, controller wants is very interested in getting maximum value for the business. He's also very interested in, he really would prefer that business active son take over ownership and control of the business. Son's been doing a pretty good job. People have a reasonable level of confidence in him. And so he seems like a really great candidate. There's not a ton of disagreement that I'm hearing about his capabilities. So I want, maximum value. I want my child to run the business. I really hate paying taxes and I would like to not pay any taxes. And also I would like to do this soon because my son is starting to feel grumpy and irritable that I haven't done anything and that I told him he was gonna take over the business. And why am I still here? And why does he still only own 10% when he's really doing everything? So there's some friction that is already in play. 
among the family members because we've taken so long. So what the advisor should do in this case is get it all done pretty quickly, get me a lot of value now uh, with almost very low or no taxes if possible and have my son control the business. So how doable is that, John? Can we do that? It's incredibly easy to do. They first suggest selling the business to the son. This is dad's idea. Mm -hmm. How's that going to go? That is a terrible idea. <laughs> Tell me, give me the brief well, answer why it's terrible. I'll give you answers. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. So it's terrible to sell. This is what they want though. I want my son to own. I want him to buy. I want it to be at full value. And I also don't want to pay taxes. Is that possible? <laughs> you may have heard this little granddaughter be crying as she opened my door up and she was promptly whisked away by her grandmother. <laughs> she was we'll really excited to come in here. I know. Okay, so out. why don't you start your question all over because that's going to have to be edited out, don't yes, you think? Yes, I can do that. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to cut, I'm going to leave quiet for one second. So John, why is it that it's difficult or terrible to sell for maximum value uh, today to a son. This is a nice profitable business. Why can't we just why can't we just do that and also minimize or eliminate taxes while we're at it? Remind me why is that not a thing? Well, um, I'm going to even back up a little bit farther. So this is a very typical scenario where we're, owners are thinking about the value of their company when it comes time to transition ownership. I mean, everybody does that. But in a family-run business, uh, selling creates tax consequences. So the dad is gonna have a capital gains tax if he sells the business to son. The son is gonna have to earn money from the company and pay a tax on that to be left with money to pay to dad who then is gonna pay a capital gains tax. So it's a double tax scenario when we're transferring the business to insiders. The same would be true for management buying in. They would have the same double tax scenario. So what we try to do, or at least I think what our members, we would like our members to think about is how can we get to in this case, dad, how can we get him the money he wants or needs with the least tax consequences possible? Mm -hmm. and then that opens up all kinds of other planning opportunities that can minimize taxes. So that's how we would appreciate uh, approach this from a family run or insider uh, acquisition scenario. How can we get the departing owner, what he wants or needs while minimizing the tax consequences, not just to the parent, but also to the people buying the business. Right. And, and that is in fact, what this advisor and I talked about. And, and, you know, we kind of went round and round and she and I, because we were kind of in problem solving mode and she wanted to, she wanted to have a really clear picture in her mind of the different tracks that this plan might go down before her next meeting, just so that she, not necessarily that she was going to demonstrate all of those possible outcomes to her client, but she did really want to sort of talk them through and 
sort of stress test them with me so that we could have a really good understanding internally of of what the possible outcomes or paths are and why they might be helpful or hurtful to the client, the the father or to the overall family's goals. And then, and so we kind of went all around on all different kinds of solutions and how we can demonstrate those and how we can show them and how we can run models for things. So we did a lot of that mm-hmm. and, and worked with sort of BEI tools to do so. But in the end, this advisor still needed to go back to the next meeting, which was coming up pretty soon. And I'll tell you what she and I came up with, and then you can tell me what else we might have forgotten or what else you would have added in had you been there. And and what I said is that, you know, ultimately, what we're the way I think about planning is that it's um, it's kind of like it's kind of like this mobile that my mother had in the living room when I was growing up. And don't ask me why we had this mobile, but we did. And it had these like seagulls on it. And there were all these different seagulls and they were all on different lengths of string. And they were done in a, such a way that the mobile was perfectly balanced and that all the little seagulls kind of, you know, when the air conditioning was on or whatever, kind of went in a little circle and could kind of stay together and 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 it wasn't all tilted and, and janky and all leaning off to one side. And it was because somebody had done a lot of work to say, well, you know, this, this part of it is gonna need to be closer into the center and that one's gonna be farther away, but that's gonna cause it to be out of balance. So I need another one even farther away to get everything to completely balance. And this is what the advisor and I talked about. And I used my mother's mobile, which I've used, I've used before. So if I've bothered you with that story, then just maybe you can indulge me. And and so planning solutions are kind of like that, where one of them is going to overweight the the outcome. Like, let's get this done fast. It's going to w- overweight towards eliminating some of our tax savings because it's harder to do over a short period of time. And if I really want to focus on minimizing or eliminating taxes to the extent that I can, I might. I might be unbalancing my timeline. And so uh, and so what this advisor and I ended up doing was with all of the planning technicalities in her back pocket, she's going back to the next meeting with the client to say, okay, I understand that here are the things you want, but we're going to have to start talking about prioritization. And let me explain to you, if you care a lot about getting it done fast, you're going to lose in for example, tax savings, most likely. And if you really care about having your son take over, you're going to lose on your goal of attributing a high dollar per share to your stock price because I can get the ownership to your son, but I need to do it in a way that's that's going to move the value that re- you receive to other channels. And you won't be able to say, my son bought the company from me for $12 million for my stock. Like you won't be able to say that. So if that's something you really care about, you're gonna have to give up something else. And so her goal for the entire next meeting was to explain to the family that everything is a balance and that we need to understand the prioritization of the goals a little bit better so that she can say, okay, well, if timing is your big concern, is more of a concern than taxes, here's the path I would direct you down. And if taxes are your biggest concern and you've and you now want to tell me that timing or 
expediency, you know, speed is not your is not your top goal, but minimizing taxes is, that maybe takes me down a different path. And so that's the next meeting she's going to have. And John, what would you add into that or layer on top of that for the next level of planning? Because we're not, we're still kind of in the early stages. Yeah. So I mean, and that's all great. We're focusing really on the consequences to the dad and the son of this ownership transfer and looking probably at you know, the, the speedy way is for the son to go out and get financing, get the money, pay it to dad, and now the son's got to pay, say, $10 million back to the bank. Right. Which he could afford to do. I mean, there's enough cash flow from what you're saying to pretty easily afford to do that. So it's not as though as there's many, many cases unattainable. It's this is something that could get done. It could Agreed. get done in a matter of months. Right. To your point of speed. But again, of course, there's double tax consequences, uh, as we pointed out earlier. Uh, so that is one scenario. So that might be a starting point. But then the next point would be, well, Dad, what would be your net tax what would be the amount of money you would receive if we did that net of all taxes? So assume the dad's interest is worth 10 million, probably mm -hmm. not quite that. He pays 25% in state and federal capital gains taxes. He's left with seven and a half million dollars, you know, more or less. Could be a little bit less, could be a little bit more. So how can we get dad seven and a half million dollars as tax efficiently for the family as possible? That would be, I think, the next path to go down. But there's one there, I, but there's also an elephant in this room that we haven't talked about yet. Which the is, daughter. Right. The daughter. So is she gonna sit by comfortably and say, oh yes, my brother who I haven't spoken to in 23 years because I hate him or he, right. she, he hates me or whatever. Uh, he's gonna get this business and I don't have anything. In fact, they probably will wanna buy my 10% interest back. They did talk so about that. All of this planning has gotta take into account what the daughter wants and also what the husband's spouse wants. Right. So that's why family business planning is so darn much fun. It is, it <laughs> is. And I, I would like to just be the first, you know, maybe before we wrap it up to admit that on this call with the advisor, where she asked uh, if I could, you know, if I could connect her with someone who's got kind of, you know, business, family business, uh, business psychologist or family business counseling or coaching and things like that. And, and, and I was able to do that, but, but I did admit to her, I said, you know, I think you're, I think you're doing a really good thing by connecting your client also with someone who can help them work through those family dynamics and can kind of, kind of support the, technical planning that's getting done with how people are feeling about what's happening and whether or not they can save Thanksgiving. And then I'm always the first to admit because we do a lot of work in the family business uh, uh, arena and I'm a terrible family business advisor on the conflict and the dysfunction. I'm intolerant. I think it's ridiculous. I think to myself, I don't know why these people can't just behave like civilized human beings. And so I get really kind, I'm not 
I am not a very good dysfunctional family coach. So I have to bring someone else in who is, and at least I can recognize it. And so while we talk about this here today, you know, and we can say that these are issues, we can say that the daughter is someone that, and the spouse are people who need, who's whose perspectives need to be brought into the process. Those are all true, that is all important. It might be a good time for me to admit that I am not the best person to do that. I still coordinate the project, I still lead the team, I still make sure everything gets done, but I am gonna bring in some extra expertise. And you and I have just seen the benefits of that more times than oh, not. You know, the, It's just incredibly important. And in the scheme of things, uh, low expense, high return, in my opinion. Do you agree with that? Uh, many times, yes, especially when you sense there's some conflict. If there's no conflict at all, if everybody, including the kids and maybe the kids' spouses are mm -hmm. in accord with the plan, I mean, you don't need it then, but right. when there's that level of conflict, um, one, the parents don't want to get into the middle of it. They would rather not have conflict among the between themselves and the kids. Uh, and secondly, as advisors, as you pointed out, one, we're not trained in this. Secondly, if we try to help somebody in this area where we're not trained, we're likely to cause more issues, not fewer issues, and we probably won't come up with the type of solution that will work long-term. So I, what I would tell my clients, because we, like you, we do a lot of family business transition planning. Uh, that's probably, at least in a lot of practices, the likeliest exit path exit planning advisors are going to be involved in because the owners recognize they need help, I suppose. So we have to be aware of our limitations and also the benefit psychologically and emotionally to us, the exit planning advisor of not getting into the middle of that fray and bringing somebody else in. And you know, I would tell my clients when I was doing this as a lawyer, you know what, I can't even raise my own three children, let alone help you deal with your children. So we would always bring somebody in. And we had, uh, I used multiple family business counselors from various ba uh, uh, training backgrounds, maybe psychology uh, and then family business counseling training as well. So that's a, a great suggestion to, you know, on your team or panel of advisors, have one or more family business consultants. Right, It'll so- save you a lot of grief. Yep, if you are a business owner and you're listening, then just know that your challenges in your business and your difficulty in communications are pretty normal if you're having those and that there are people who can help and that uh, the help is, is based on a background of training and experience and expertise. And you should expect that from your team of advisors, that there's somebody who's got the right training to help you navigate this. And uh, and if you're an advisor, then you should know that you have a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to help family business transitions be successful. And they are not a one and done or cookie cutter scenario. Every single one is going to be different and every single one is going to be interesting. And, uh, and every single one is gonna be 
fun, I think, to work on. And it's just really some of the best and most rewarding work that we can do. And ultimately, that is why we plan, right? That is why we plan and why we have others help us plan. Truth. Okay. Well, John, I appreciate you joining me today to talk this over. I, I uh, intend to continue to circle back with this advisor that I'm working with and, and make sure that I and, and BEI can support her so that this family can get a good outcome. That is our goal. And if I get a good update, then I will bring it back to you later since I do love a good update and I have been promised one. So John, I will see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Gain the insight and knowledge that thousands of business owners and their advisors have used to plan for the future. The BEI membership equips you with the proven process that enables owners to exit their business on their terms. Receive access to case studies, podcasts like the one you're listening to now, a resource toolkit, and so much more. Cement your position as the trusted advisor to your most successful clients. Get started today by visiting exitplanning.com forward slash membership. That's exitplanning.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening. Join us for our next episode. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.